Bruchim Haboyim B'Shem Hashem B'Rachnuchem Yves Hashem Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. The Shabbos Chazak Pashas Vayechi Pashas Chazak Shabbos Chazak Where the entire congregation calls out together Chazak, Chazak, Veniz Chazak One who involves himself, one who does, troubles himself, or devotes himself to the proper preparations on Erev Shabbos, eats on Shabbos. And therefore this week also we're discussing Erev Shabbos, which is going to be Asar Abetevis. Tenth day of the month of Teves. Before I forget. Why? Then people get insulted. No. Worried that I'm upset. You heard feelings already. Answer text all week. That's only once I answered anyway. Um. Tonight is Ches. Teves Ches but Zayin Teves was a the birthday of one of our listeners, our Skype listeners, who just got knocked off. That's wonderful. He just fell off the uh, Skype. Um, Shalom Salincourt from Scranton, Pennsylvania. So we're dedicating tonight's shear. Is he sponsoring tonight's shear? What happened? I went black again. He's sponsoring tonight's shear, Metzah Hashem. My camera is black. May he be blessed with any chasem v'shanim. Long and happy years. Much better. How I propose it, Pasha Vayechi, Pasha discussing life. The Shabbos that begins, that takes in his life, starts his life. And as of course the question arises, Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. These were the best years of his life. Egypt, Mitzrayim, Ervas the lowest of the land in the Bechir Ha'avais, the most choice of the fathers. Avram had a Yishmoel and Yitzchak had an Esav. Yaakov had Mitosa Yishlem, a full family of beautiful, healthy, and holy children. 
such a holy person should enjoy the 17th best years of his life in such a disgusting, despicable land as Egypt. But the Pasuk tells us that this Yehuda Shalach Lefanov, Yehuda, his son was sent out first to Egypt, to Mitzrayim, not to spy the land, but rather to see to it that a yeshiva was established. This was Yehuda's mission. And because there was a yeshiva, that's why Yaakov was able to enjoy, and not just enjoy these years, but find these years as the 17 best years of his life. Yaakov sees that his days are numbered. The messenger tells Yosef, your father is ill on his deathbed. And Yosef immediately comes to see his father. Not as if he neglected to go visit his father on a daily basis. It was simple that this was a special visit. When Yesus says, these are my sons, remember, Yaakov says, what are you telling me? They are to me like Reuven and Shimon. Those of you that are interested in doing gematrias, take Menashe and Ephraim, Reuven and Shimon, they have the same gematria. That's why he chose, it's the Balaturim, that's why he chose those two. And therefore, since this Pasha begins with blessing and goes out throughout the blessings of the children, it's only apropos that we bless today the Balayamaledis of the week, Absalom. From his children, they should all grow to Lubavitch and Meisteis and learn in Lubavitch and Yeshivas. He should see Nachas from them and they should see Nachas from him. And so too we extend a bracha to his wife, to Varlea. Under the umbrella, the blessing of her husband, the blessings that were brought into the house, that took place in honor of the birthday, as we'll talk about the Akeras Habayis today, the great blessings that come on her 
that should be bestowed upon her as well. We spoke before the Mishatarach Berev Shabbos, Yechel B'Shabbos. What happens if you don't taste the food? I know, on my own record, there's certain foods that I cook in the kitchen for Erev Shabbos. But there was a kufa, there was a certain amount of time. Some of those foods I was not eating, I was not partaking, I was not tasting them. I just wasn't able to eat those foods. But I was cooking them nonetheless. I got a complaint from one of my children. It doesn't taste the same. When you ate it, it tasted differently. So, obviously, if we're going to cook on Erev Shabbos and not be able to taste the food, there's going to be a problem. Oh boy. The food out of Shabbos, although we're not allowed to taste the food, we're not allowed to partake for the food. In the greater New York area, the fast begins on Friday morning approximately 5.43. need to check locally for your zip code what time. There's a the Altarebbe brings down that you should not eat for 45 minutes before that, so technically it starts 5 o'clock according to that. However, as we mentioned before, when it comes to a fast day, that's not a night and day, like Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, that the fast, if you're going to intend to eat something in the morning before the fast starts, but you go to sleep the night before, you must make a stipulation. Upon going to sleep, I'm going to get up before this man to eat something. Or drink something for those coffee addicts. Um, if a person has a regular custom to eat in the morning or to drink in the morning something then it should be done as well it can be done Based on that, sometimes without the stipulation as well. But one should definitely take out the stipulation beforehand. Asar B'tevis is a fast that we must fast. Unlike the other fasts, David Ram writes in Hilchus Tainus, Asar B'tevis yeshkumar yaseira v'gabitzar shar tzemis. Asar B'tevis has a stringency above all other fasts. Vehu, which is Shafila Yechal B'Shabbos Le'Yechid in the case of Yemachah. If this fast were to come out on Shabbos, you would not allow to push it off to another day. Why? Because just like Yom Kippur, which is the only other fast you can fast on Shabbos, 
Just like Bayim Kippur, the Torah tells us, Be'etzem Hayyim Hazeh, in this very day, when the Navi mentions Asara Betavis, also writes, also the Navi writes, Be'etzem Hayyim Hazeh. And therefore, based on the fact that Be'etzem is referred to by Yom Kippur, it's referred to here as well. And you would, one would fast on, Yom Kippur, on Shabbos if Asada Betavis would come out on Shabbos. However, the calendar is made in such a way that Asada Betavis will not come out on Shabbos. But no other But no other fast can be fasted on Friday except Fasar Abatevis. Bear in mind that fast the day, a day fast like Asar Abatevis, is from the beginning of the day, from as we said, 5.43 in the morning, until, thank you, until nightfall. It goes until nightfall. Shabbos begins after candlelighting, or 18 minutes after candlelighting, which is still a substantial time before nightfall. Therefore we find that if you're going to fast on a Friday, like a Sarabatevis, you're going to be fasting somewhat on Shabbos. Until you can make Kiddush. And therefore only Asara Betavis can come out on this day. A stringency of Asara Betavis over any other Titus. is there such a stringency of Asara Betavis over any other fast day? Which for those that don't like to just fast tend to try to uh, make the leniency of only fasting Tishabov and Yom Kippur which is unacceptable Asara Betavis would be different Why? The beginning of the entire downfall, the beginning of the entire destruction of the temple. The sieging of the city, which was the first stage of the destruction of the temple, took place on Asar Betavis. Melech Bovel came close, Nebuchadnezzar came close to Yerushalayim, and he sieged the city on Asar Betavis. Therefore, all the other fasts, Shivas Betamas, Tishubav, which are related to the destruction of the temple, 
all originate from this day. And therefore it makes sense that a stringency such as this would be kept. Tishubav on Shabbos would be pushed off to the next day. Mashenk and Asara Betavis would not. So although that it was the beginning of the whole destruction of the first temple, it was not the beginning of the destruction of the second temple, but the destruction of the second temple was only a continuation of the first. As we know that on the first temple, there were certain things that were destroyed, which did not exist in the second temple even. And therefore the destruction of the first temple was that much more severe than the second temple the first one was. And so much so, that it was a carryover to the second temple's destruction. Since the entire essence, the intention, the inner intention of any punishment and fast is so that ultimately it should be turned over to the total opposite, to Sosan and Simcha, to joy and happiness. The Yerida the going down, the lowering of Asara Batavis has more effect than any other fast. As the Mishnah tells us in Pirkeavis, the Fum Tsar Agra, the reward goes according to the pain. And therefore, the Aliyah, the rising up once again, that will be in the future. The rising up of the, the reverting of mourning to happiness that will happen from Asara Bateves. This will be comparison to Yom Kippur. And therefore, this day we need to observe today with a stringency since we're going to rejoice Hashem, hopefully already this year we'll rejoice on a much higher level when Mashiach will come talking of reverting of finding something that's very very low and turning it into something very very high we know when we need to pray we need to daven we go to shul Shul is a holy place. And as the holy place, this is where we come to discuss and to pour out our hearts to God.
Then there are times where one travels to the gravesite of a tzaddik. As many people travel to the oil. And many people have been blessed and helped by their prayers at the oil. There's a famous story which I believe I've told already. In Krakow, of Yosel Akamts and Kodesh. Who was buried off on a salt under a tree near nobody. But we see even greater than that was the burial of Yosel the Ganef. Again, a long involved story Yosel the Ganef got buried next to a very great tzaddik, Shpolozeda. And that's where the Shpolozeda, that's who the Shpolozeda wanted next to him. Because in the place where a Balchuva stands, the greatest tzaddik cannot reach. We know, of course, of the famous Medrash, that tells us, tells us about this week's famous funeral. Is there any more of that stuff? The famous funeral of Yaakov Avinu. Where everybody partook and everybody had to travel to Hebron. The morning that went on. Many of us are aware of the Targum Yenis Ben-Azil. Yenis Ben-Azil writes on the Pesach of Ayikbru Eisei Ayikbru Eisei Vimara Sadeh HaMachpeda They buried him in the field of Vimara Sadeh in the place where his father, his mother were buried, his grandfather and grandmother were buried, Adam and Chava were buried, and his wife Leah was buried. V'shemiyah pizgomei the ace of Rishia, Chuli. Havashavik Yasef, l'mekover yas avuyei Chuli. Esav came to the cemetery, to the funeral of Yaakov by the Mara Samachpela. And he said, this is my place. You can't bury him in my grave. I was the Becher. And they didn't have the star with them. They didn't have the title Naftali ran back to Egypt to bring the paper. In the interim, this whole procession is standing and waiting. Chushim, the son of Don, Chushim, who was deaf, 
Notal Sayafa, we caught a Rashi the Isa of Rashi. Took a weapon, a sword, whatever it was, and cut off Esav's head. And Esav's head began to roll. That's where the expression comes from. Heads will roll. Don't quote me on that, please. Vetanach the Yitzchak Avui. It ended up next to Yitzchak Avinu. Here I see Yitzchak. Wow. What happened? The din is that we just said, ain't caved in Russia, it's all tzaddik. The Gemara, for those who are keeping score at home, is Sanhedrin. 47 side 1. Memzayin Amar Aleph. The Gemara says clearly, ain't caved in Russia, it's all tzaddik. We don't bury a wicked person next to a righteous. It's also brought down in the Tur Shukhanarach Yeridea. Simon if that's the case, how is it possible that Esav's head would be put next to the body of Yitzchak? Let us analyze this on a spiritual level. Yitzchak was Esav's father, as we said. And therefore the roots of Esau were in Yitzchak, were within Yitzchak. It was simple therefore to say that Yitzchak HaTzadik had no evil and no wickedness in him. So the fact that Esau was wicked it's because he separated himself he detached himself from the righteousness of his father from his roots of Yitzhak and he involved himself in the mundane physical world hence we see that the evil that we see by Esav was only within his body, his chumrius. Only his essence, his body, and his physicality was evil. Not his head. The head was spirit, was always holy. The head is the source and the root of his existence and his connection to Yitzchak. And therefore that was good. So when the head got separated from the body, the head was considered good, the head was considered holy. And therefore, there is no wickedness in the head. It is only pure good. And that's why it was put it was put next to Yitzchak's body.
So we see, therefore, when it comes, we go according to the source of the person. We go according to the roots of the person. The roots and the foundation that we plant, that we put down, is what we base our life and what we base our existence on. Therefore, we come to the question, what is chutzpah? I guess that fits into what we're talking about, the theme. What is chutzpah? No, when I tell you that story. What is chutzpah? I'll tell you what chutzpah is. Yaakov Avinu is on his deathbed. And what does he want? He wants to be buried in Israel. He wants to be buried in Hebron, where his forefathers are buried. The only one he feels is capable of pulling that off since the Egyptians revered him and considered him so holy, the only one capable of doing that is his son Yosef. The famous bumper sticker in America, Be kind to your children, they're the ones that choose your old age home. Um... You go to your child and you tell him, My dear son Yasef, you don't know how much I missed you all those years. You don't know the torture and the pain I was going through for all those years, the separation, how hard it was for me, my child. And the conversation obviously would go something as follows Yasef, my son, the 22 years were the most painful years of my life. Yes, father, I know. I know how I felt. I know how much I wanted to contact you. I know how much I wanted to reach out to you. But I was not able to. Yesef, my son, my days are not numbered. But it was beautiful being here for 17 years with you. Yes, Daddy. Yes, my father. Yes, Abba. Yes, Tate. It was something that rejuvenated me. That gave me a new push in life. After all my years of torture and loneliness, and to have you here and learning, studying with my sons. Yasef, my son, bend down. Yes, father, please bench me. And he'd give Yasef his bench, his bracha. And then he'd say, Yasef, do me a favor. He says, Sure, father, anything. Since my parents are buried, my grandparents are buried in Hebron. And the Egyptians are not very kind. They're going to make me into an idol, God forbid, if I'm buried here. 
And also there's going to be makais, there's going to be plagues here in Egypt. And I'm going to be affected by them if I'm buried here in the ground. So please, my dear son, my dear child, the second in command of Egypt, the one who I missed so much, I've been blessed and graced with seeing, being with you for all this time. Excuse me. Please, my child, make sure I'm buried in Egypt, in, in Hebron. <laughs> and I say, of course, Father, of course. Don't worry. Die in peace. I know, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Um, you may be at peace knowing that I will do that for you. But you know, my friends, if we look in the Teda, which is Lashon Heiroi, lesson to us, we see a total different conversation take place. Yaakov tells Yosef, which in essence we would say, this is called Chutzpah. As I was coming from Padan Aram, your mother Yosef Rachel passed away and I buried her on the road there now even the Ben Chomesh Lemikra that five year old child is bewildered, perplexed and, and mesmerized and the child says, what chutzpah? You want Yosef to bury you in Hebron. So you're telling him you didn't bury his mother there. You wouldn't go out of your way to take his mother from Beis Lachem to Hebron. <laughs> now you want him to take you from Egypt to inconvenience himself? To argue with Pare, to argue with all the Egyptians, to have to get you through customs. How mind-boggling, says the Mechamesh Lemikra. So Rashi says, my kind, let me explain to you what Yaakov said. It was according to the word of God that I buried her there. I'm I don't like it disturbing my recording, but you're disturbing me by flashing things on the group. Oh, you just put something on the group. I'm the only one. But you can tell. I can't tell anybody else. I, I can't. Nobody knows who I'm talking to. <laughs> According to the word of God, I buried her there. She should be a savior, a help to her children. When they're going to be driven out of exile, out of Israel, to Bovel, they will be able to stop there and pray. Rachel will go out of her grave. Ubaichem will cry, and she will plead for them compassion. 
Vakadish Baruchu Meshiva and the Almighty will answer her. There is reward to what you have done, and therefore your children will return to their boundaries, to the Holy Land of Israel, may it be this evening. Total different explanation. Now, my dear child, now my Ben Chamesh the Mikra, Rashi told you what Yaakov really said. And therefore, you understand that Yaakov was really explaining to Yosef properly. It wasn't so simple that I buried your mother there. Question. Why, Rachel? Sarah could have been buried there. Leah could have been buried there. Rivka could have been buried there. Why Rachel? What was Yesh Sachal Lefulaseich? We discussed many times in the Shirim. That she gave her sister Leah, her husband. She gave away her own husband, Yaakov, to her sister Leah, and not to embarrass her sister. She gave her sister all the signs and all the ways and all the explanations what to tell Yaakov that he should think that she was her. And she says to God, she says, I as a human being had compassion to my sister so that she should not be hurt, should not be embarrassed, should not, be, should not suffer. And I'm only a human being of flesh and bones. How much more so you, Almighty, Father in Heaven, Father of the entire universe, do you need to show compassion to your children and to take them out of exile? The Navi says that this voice is heard very, very, very high. It's heard in the highest of places. This beseechment to which the Almighty answers but why therefore Rachel was the candidate because Rachel was the one that could say I have proof that I acted as a human being in such compassion you should act as God Rashi tells us, back in Parshish Vayetze, if you're going to look it up, it's chapter 31, verse 4, the Rashi Vayikra, Hihoisa Akeres Habayis, She, Rochel Emenu, was the Akeres Habayis. And the Medrash in B'Rishis Rabbah also says, Rachel Haysa Ikarei Shalbayis. Why was she such a foundation, a mainstay of the home? There's a halacha. A Mishnah and Mesechtas Kedushin, for those that want to check us, keep score at home, 29 side A, Chavtes Amir Aleph. That women are p'turais me mitzvah sasei shazman grama. 
women are exonerated from the positive mitzvahs that are connected with time, that time affiliated. They are also potter, says the Mishnah, from Talmud Teda, learning Teda. The Rishayim tell us, referring once again to Avadram, in the Seyed of Tulis of the weekday, Why are they potter? Why are they exonerated from this? Because it is the women's obligation that is thrown upon them the household chores. And therefore they are potter from these things. We find therefore that to women there is a tremendous Wonder, tremendous essence of exoneration. In order they can take care of their obligations, their tafkidim, of being the akeres habayis, they need to forego the service to God, which is an open spirituality, davening, learning. This is open spirituality on a constant basis, but they are not obligated to do so. Because they are serving God their own way. By doing tzorche habayis. Mashenkin men, their service to God is the main service. Their service to God is the way that they reveal spirituality. Whereas the woman can reveal spirituality by staying at home and taking care of her household needs. This, therefore, explains to us. How is it that Rachel was buried on the on the road and not Yaakov? Because only Rachel was referred to as a Kenes Habayis. Only such a woman can have this tremendous plus, and she can be mevater. over the course of hundreds and thousands of years of being buried in Marasa Machpela, the holy place of Marasa Machpela. And why would she give this up? Why is she sacrificing this? So that the Jews can stand in a situation when they're going to be in a painful situation and they can come and pray by Him. They pray by her. So much so that she was exiled so that she could be a help to her children.
we discussed the good years of Yaakov and Mitzrayim, the 17 beautiful years. The Baal Turim tells us about these 17 years, Lehoya Yomim Tevim Beleitzar. They were not good days without pain. Nothing compared to the 17 years of Egypt. The Friedrich Rebbe said, the previous Lubavitch Rebbe says, when the Tzemach Tzedek was a little child, he asked his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, as we discussed before, how is it possible that Yaakov Avinu, the choice of the fathers, was chosen. The chosen father chose the 17 years best years to be in this land. And as we said before, because he says, Yehuda Shalach Lefanov, to Yesef Lehedes Lefanov Geshna, and the Medish says, Amaram Nechemya, Lehaskin Lebeis Talmud, Nechemya says he set up a yeshiva, that there should be Tera, and the Shvatim should be keeping Tera. And as they learn Tera, and they come closer to the Almighty, then they can also be in Egypt in a situation, in a predicament, in a level of Ayechi of life. This is a lesson to each and every one of us. When we find ourselves in the lowest of places, whether it be Denver, Colorado, whether it be Atlanta, Georgia, Scranton, Pennsylvania, wherever the place might be, or New York City, where sometimes we don't see the spirituality and the goodness of the land, through learning Teda, we can reveal the goodness in that place. When Yaakov comes and sees the children of Yosef, And now he says, These two children, I'm answering the text, by the way. The two children that you have before me, until I arrived here in Mitzrayim, they are mine. Ephraim and Menashe, Kiruvim, Veshim and Yehuli, as we explained before. Ramban asks a question. Why elaborate to such an extent? That were born to you in Egypt, until I arrived to you in here in Egypt, Lihain. Why did he not just say, Your two sons, Ephraim and Asher, they grew up in What's the whole the whole story the Torah does not mince words why then they love them we can explain this that Yaakov's message to Yosef was which children are connected to me That was not the goal to tell them these children only connected to me. But why are these children connected to me? 
Because Ephraim and Asher merited to be connected to Yaakov. Because they were born to you in Egypt. Before I got here. But still in all, although they were not brought up in my household, they were born in out of my household in Egypt, did not come to learn with me on a daily basis, but rather were educated in Egypt without Yaakov's presence, but still in all, they behave themselves also in this situation and this time like the grandchildren of Yaakov. And they went in his way. And therefore they were connected. Therefore Yaakov was proud to say that these children are mine. They're just like my children. Where Yaakov knew that Mitosa Ishleim, as we said before, all his children came out the way they're supposed to. But because of this, that also in Egypt, they acted like his grandchildren. Therefore I take them under my wing as if my own. And the status of Mitosa Ishlema, the status of all my children being perfect, I include Ephraim and Menashe. Because you did a wonderful job, Yosef. You were able to educate your children. You were able to give them what they needed to have. But Yasef, you did it your way. You had your you were the principal of this school. I need to send Yehuda. I need to make Yehuda set up with my system. Yes. Your children grew up like my students would grow up. Your children grew up with the same education, basically. But my personal touch, they didn't have until I came. And therefore he sends Yehuda, but still, even though Yasef did a fine job, Yosef was a busy man. To have Yosef set up his own yeshivas there, his own network, would have been a little bit over the top. At the end of the parasha it tells us, he was put into a coffin in Egypt. In Tesis, at the end of Mesechta's Nida, we know the fact is Mesayim and Betayv. We need to finish off with a good thing always. So why does Beratius finish off with the fact that Yosef was buried in Egypt? This is derogatory, if anything. It's not complimentary. Yosef does not get buried in Israel. He remains in Egypt. That's terrible. The Shach on the Tera says, 
The reason for Yasef being buried in Mitzrayim and not in Etzel is the instructions from Yaakov Inu to Yasef. At the Tzorich Shetogin Aleim, you need to protect them. At the Tzorich Limshech Lehem Chain Vechesed, you need to extend to them kindness, goodness. Because man shame begolus as long as they are in exile. And then to go with them as they journey through the desert. Therefore, we find that the burial of Yosef in Mitzrayim was that the Jews should be able to get strength. Even though they were in this horrific exile, but the mere fact that they knew they had Yosef at Tzadik with them. They were able to overcome and not be totally affected by the surroundings and to remain connected and strong to God. This we can therefore explain the plus, the greatness of Yasef being buried not in Israel but rather in Egypt. And why there are many, many holy people outside of Etzel. Because the fact that they are outside of Etzel together with their flock, the flock is able to go to them and to derive from them and to draw from them strength. And that's why Bereshis finishes off with the Pasuk, Vayisim Ba'arim B'Mitzrayim. Immediately when we hear Vayisim Ba'arim B'Mitzrayim, we scream out, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak. For this is the strength that we receive from the shepherds of Jews, of the Jewish nation. When we are in the restraints of the exile, Ad Asheyovei Hagel B'mheidav Yemenu Amin. Until the Redeemer Himself comes to redeem us, we need to draw the strength from our Shepherd. Now, Tchilas and B'Seif and B'Seif and B'Tchilas and also we mention almost always when we discuss Chazak. Bereshis, Bora Lekim, Esashemayim, Esaretz. And we begin, the beginning of Chumash Bereshis starts with the creation of the world. However, the creation is not completed on the first, second, or third day. Creation really is completed on Shabbos when there is rest. The concept of rest is created. But the truth is, as far as the human eye is concerned, or the human mind is concerned, the creation comes to completion with the creation of Adam Arishan. Adam Arishan is asked by God, to do a task and to name all the creations. And therefore we see that the importance of a creation, of a being, is the name. That the being carry a name. And the name, as the Al-Tarebbe brings down in Shari Yichid Ve'amunah, second part of Tanya Kedisha 
the concept of letters going back and forth through shiorim, through gates, forming names which ultimately bring about a creation of a pers- of an object. The end of Bereshis it says, Vayomos Yesef. Yesef dies in Egypt. And it repeats that it was Yesef that died in Egypt. What is the repetition of Yesef dying in Egypt twice? When Yesef comes to power, we know it says that Pari said to him, you no longer have a Jewish name, you have an Egyptian name. Tsofnas Paneach. He wanted him to carry, you're going to be a ruler in Egypt, you have to have an Egyptian name, Tsofnas Paneach. Yesef said, yes sir, sir, yes sir, your majesty, your honor, whatever you'd like to be called, no problem. And they turned around and all the people said, okay, Tsofnas Paneach, what should we call you? Because that's a mouthful. And he said, Yosef. <laughs> and all his life, he walked with the name Yosef. He never took on the Egyptian name of Tzafnas Paneach. Because his essence was within his name. And therefore, just like the beginning of Chumash Bereshis shows us the importance and the essence of a name, this so too is the end of Chumash Bereshis. Shows us Yesef Hoya b'Mitzrayim, and Yesef was the one that was in Egypt, and therefore Yesef Hashem Lachem Kachem Elaf Pomim is the bracha that Moshe Rabbeinu gives the Jewish nation. It should be multiplied to each and every one of us. The peace, tranquility, happiness, and love, prosperity, and nachas, and it should multiply to an extent that we reach that Yehovchiyah Melo Lesosin of the Simcha. These days will be return, reverted to happiness and to joy. And as we said before, that since Asada Batavis is of the lowest of lowness when it comes to mourning. It will be reverted to the highest of high because the pendulum will swing all the way around. And we will merit that this Asara Batavis will already be such a yumptif that we will have the highest of high in Gamantavim and we will celebrate it in Yerushalayim, Yerakadesh, together with Mashiach Sidkenu, Rachel Imenu, will be Zeichat to hear once again, Yeshachal Fulaseich, Vishavu, Vanim, Likvulam. Her children will be returned within their boundaries. Shabbat Shalom to all. Happy birthday. Shalom.